0: Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app And take Boston Sports Original Everywhere you go Gresh and Fourier On WEEI It's time for Between the Pipes With Andrew Cross. Hey, let's go There's gonna be a lot of traffic on the
1: way to the game Ah, don't worry I got the plates. plate People get out of their way Au revoir, have a good game Great plates I want them too
0: are you even old up to dry? Presented by John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow on WEI. 11
2: on this Thursday. It's a little uh, snowy outside. It looks very hockey like outside right now. He's going to join us on the Harbor One Hotline. Nesson and WEI hockey analyst Andrew Raycar, brought to us by Shaw's and Star Market, bringing people together around the joys of food. By John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow, and by Frank's Red Hot. Visit FranksRedHot.com for great hockey and football-watching recipes. Let's Frank it up. All right, here we go. Ready for some pipe on the Harbor One hotline. Here's Andrew Raycroft. Razor, good morning.
1: Good morning, fellas. Hopefully I can bring a few hot takes like that guy who just called in and said Bill Belichick over his head. Just just (laughs) do that.
2: Jesus. (laughs) Just take the most wildest, exaggerated take. Yeah, but what you need to do, Razor, is first say – Let me finish before you actually say, because the person who says, before you chime in, let me finish, because you know, it's like them telling you they're going to say something stupid. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Well, nobody's saying anything stupid about the Bruins. If anything, Razor, it has been, oh my God, look at this team. It's pretty crazy to think, and I'm only going to mention the Celtics here, but there's one team in the NBA and one team in the NHL that have hit 30 wins and it's the Celtics and the Bruins. How do you put into context what we've seen the first half of this season?
1: It's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and all the words and now that we've hit the tonight's, the, the halfway point, though, there'll be 41 games finished after tonight. You, it's really kind of coming into focus how crazy the first half was and, and all the pace that they're on. Uh, Linus Allmark's on pace after tonight, 22-2, or sorry, 44-2-2. Two two. Uh, it's bananas. The Bruins, is 139 points on the season, would, would blow the record away by seven points. So it's crazy. It's historic what the first half of the Bruins has been.
2: So I know there's a lot of, like, midseason grades coming out, and it's funny because I just saw, you know, the obvious, the obvious number one midseason grade is gonna be the Bruins, which it was. And the first thing they said in this in this uh, mid grade on ESPN Plus was uh the Bruins are a powerhouse. Is this uh like is it is, are we are they comfortable running with the whole a powerhouse like team? I, I mean, is, is that are they are they okay being labeled like winners before they actually won anything?
1: They are uh, for for two reasons, and it's it's kind of come out the last few weeks. But number one, and, and they, these guys all get it, um, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, David Krejci, they know they haven't won anything until April, May, June. They know that's how they're going to be graded. That's how they're going to actually be looked at, what they do in those months. So they have a, a, a keen pulse on the team, and, and they're making sure that this is every day they're waking up. And, and doing what they need to do to get better for that time of year. The other thing I think is interesting, and, and we've heard it more from the group themselves the last couple of weeks, is they're leaning into the fact that this is the last dance, that this is a special team, that this is historic what they've done now, and that they can make history by going on this run all the way till June. And, and the fact that they're actually talking about it, acknowledging it, recognizing it, I think should make Bruins fans feel comfortable with where they are right now.
2: Andrew Raycroft with Gresh and Fourier here on WEI. So both these teams, Razor, undefeated in the month of January. So what gives tonight and what problems do the Kraken present? They've been scoring a lot here since the first of the year.
1: The Kraken can score goals. Uh, they're, the, they're tied with the Bruins with the most 20-point scores on a team, so they're really effective five-on-five. They have a lot of consistent scoring, and they were horrible last year, an absolute dumpster fire. So for them to turn it around the way they have is quite impressive. Like you said, uh, six wins in a row, five of those have been on the road. So I, I think what's, what it kind of gives tonight is do the Bruins get going right away after being in California, after having a couple days completely off the ice, after not playing since Sunday, can they get ramped up and ready to go in the first period? And on the other side, Seattle's got one game left after tonight on their way home in Chicago on a seven-game road trip. They've been out east for a while. Are they worn down? Can the Bruins take advantage of that? So it's it's rest versus weary at this point, and, and what's going to give is is one of those two.
2: Yeah, Razor. This seems like uh, just based on just your just what you mentioned just then about you know not playing in a while, you're going to be heavy, you know, cracking all that stuff. Seems like a big third period for the Bruins. Seems like one of those games where they come out, maybe they're not inspired. Maybe they're, like, rusty, I guess, as far as you can go. You can call it, you know, if we have taken that many days off. It's not a lot. Coming off a West Coast trip, third-period comeback uh, win is what I'm predicting.
1: This well, what a be- hockey guy you are. What a hockey See? guy you are for you. <laughs> no matter what anyone says, you're paying attention. You've got it figured out. It could. It certainly could. It could be a – A sleepy first period from the Bruins, a conservative first period from the Kraken, picks up in the second, and then the Bruins could take over. I like that. Yeah, so who
2: is it? Who is it? I can't remember who they played, and somebody gave, like, a, you know, third period, like, you know, uh, like, pep talk, and they yelled at everybody, and they came back, and they got, like, five goals. Maybe that wasn't on the West Coast. I can't remember what it was. But they just take turns, like, I guess, like, uh, you know, inspiring. Like, whose turn is it this week to kind of just – you know, inspire the troops. They got so many of them. It doesn't matter. Like who no. is struggling, somebody else can be the guy.
1: Well, so I think the the inspiring person right now could be this week is Craig Smith. I think he struggled this season; it hasn't gone his way. He's found himself in and out of the lineup, but uh, he scored Saturday in San Jose on the fourth line. Got bumped up to play with Patrice and Brad on Sunday in Anaheim, I think they keep that line together. I think they keep trying to reward Craig Smith for his professionalism all, all season. So, and he's an older guy. He's one of the, another one of those not not a complete, you know, Patrice Bergeron leader, but he's a guy who's played a lot of games in the NHL, been around a lot, and he's well respected. And I think guys want to see him do well. Hey,
2: qu- weird question for you. So, if you're like a fourth or third line guy and they bump you up to the first line, is that like traveling international, and then suddenly they say, "Hey, we're gonna uh, we're gonna upgrade you to first class, business class." Is that like everything easier, everything's better, and you have no idea? Like, wow, this is what it's like to be on the first line, like being in first well, class after being in coach.
1: It can be for a young guy. Uh, for Craig Smith, no, he's a thirty goal scorer in this league. For him, he's uh, he's excited, but. It it can also be harder to play there. There's more responsibility on you. There's more eyes on you and more expected of you when you get there. Also, it's not always easier in the National Hockey League to play with better players. They play different games. They expect you to be in different spots rather than just being meat and potatoes up and down the wing. So not necessarily... But, but for some young guys, that would be more the case, not Craig Smith.
2: Our guy, Andrew Raycroft, here with Gresh and Foyer, is with us on the Harbor One hotline. By the way, Steve Conroy of the Herald says that uh, Craig Smith's staying up with uh, that top line. Check line remains together. And then you got third line. And then on the fourth line, you got the new guy, Koppenin, who is uh, hopping in tonight. So we can keep an eye on that in terms of the line changes. But Razor, I want to talk to you about Don Sweeney. Because things have gone so well, yet we know everybody wants to make their team better. And maybe it is a little easier for the teams around the Bruins to make moves because they don't have tremendous chemistry like the Bees do. So over the next 20 games or so, if you're Don Sweeney, how do you like critically look at this team and try to possibly make it better without disrupting the chemistry they have?
1: uh that's it's that's gonna it's gonna be fascinating um i'm not sure there you need more depth you always you can never have enough good nhl hockey players for a long stanley cup run and it's going to be a bit of an arms race here in the east you see how difficult it is how many teams feel like they're in the mix uh the tampa bay lightning right now are seventh in the conference i would suspect that if you ask those guys they think they can win the stanley cup and I would suspect that they're going to make moves at the deadline to get better, along with the Leafs and Carolina and the Rangers. So it will be an arms race here at the deadline. What I think we do know for sure is that Don Sweeney understands what kind of players fit in with this culture. There is no question about that. When you The guys he's brought in, Hampus Lindholm, Taylor Hall, all signing long-term deals right out of the gates with this team, have fit in perfectly. Pavel Zaka, another guy that he's brought in here in the last couple of years. So I, I believe that he has a very good understanding. I know the players know the kind of players that they want to play with. And there's certainly a lot of communication with the older guys, the leadership that we talk about with Don Sweeney. So I'm not concerned about them getting the wrong guy, but it will be interesting to see what they think they need more. And, it's easy to go depth defenseman. That's easy. I think depth forward easy to go. But do they make a big splash with all the players on board and not ruining that chemistry? Well,
2: and I wonder too, Razor, if it's got to be like a, a veteran for a veteran move, almost like an upgrade of maybe someone on the roster because acquiring, you know, a 7th or an 8th defenseman or your 13th or 14th forward to me, it's nice to have that depth, but I wonder if you really want to make it better, do you have to kind of do almost a veteran-for-veteran veteran swap and try to look at it as upgrading a guy within maybe your top six defensemen or your top 12 forwards versus having the guy that's going to, you know, hang out with you in the Nesson suite?
1: <laughs> Lucky that guy would be to hang out with me all night. <laughs> Yeah, that no, and and with cap dollars, if you are making a big spot, you're going to have to unload money. Everybody's right up against the cap, and and that will be that will be the conflict that the Bruins organization, Don Sweeney, have. But I am give away the first round picks for the next seven years. Give away the prospects, whatever it takes. I'm all for that. You can find players anywhere in the world, but yes, if you need cap dollars, that's the Big that's what keeps Dawn up at night. Which guy can he move out right. that won't affect the chemistry? And and to be honest, I, I don't know the answer. I think these guys are so close, I, I can't pinpoint one place or one guy or one thought, that would be like, yeah, that would be worth it. All
2: right. Now, I know that it is a a new show here in the midday with myself, and Foyer, but the one thing that has been tried and true about our friend Andrew Raycroft is something Foyer called the tickle trunk. Mm. Now, if you haven't heard about the tickle trunk, well, on Halloween Mm. last year, (laughs) we asked Razor, hey, what are you going to be for Halloween? And this is a very Canadian thing, but he Mm. said oh, I'm going to have to go to the Tickle Trunk to find a, a Halloween costume. We were like, stop, forget the costume. What the hell is the Tickle Trunk? And he sort of explained it. So then it became a thing where Razor could put someone, good or bad, by the way, it is up, it is dealer's choice on this one for Razor in terms of who he puts in the Tickle Trunk Uh, every week and why. So now that we've had some time, everybody's uh, re-acclimated, all that kind of stuff. Razor, let's get back to it. Who do you put in the tickle trunk
1: this week? Well, and don't forget to mention, Gresh, that the the, the people listening... Yearn for this. they, they call in for this. Our, they want to know yep. who's in the Tickle Trunk. Our they Twitch chat
2: know. going nuts. Oh boy, Tickle Trunk is back. Here we go. Everybody's all fired up. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm, I, ain't, I ain't ribbing you neither. Like it. It's legit, people. It's really the Twitch chat people that very much love the Tickle Trunk because they they're well, they're the <laughs> ones who also scream. Hey, uh, how come you guys don't talk a ton of hockey? And I even put in the little uh, Twitch deal. Hey, send some questions. And it was who would Razor want to fight? All the hockey people apparently have gone away (laughs) with all the geniuses that want like fourth line breakdown all the time. But I digress. (laughs) Let's tickle trunk.
1: Yeah, and when I get off, I hope you guys have a conversation on what Fourier thinks is a tickle trunk. That was well, the, hey, uh, listen, first, first of all, I'm, well.
2: I'm, I'm amazed that uh, I, mean, I thought you were going to say, hey, Halloween, and, you know, would you dress up as Halloween? I thought you were going to say, well, we don't uh, celebrate Halloween, eh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't it's do that either. It's that too is cold and snowy in October in Canada. We I'm not, I'm not, our houses in
2: October. Yeah, let me go walk around the neighborhood. It's like 10 degrees outside in October. Because <laughs> I you know it would because you celebrate Thanksgiving at a different time as we do. Right, so it's like earlier yes, than do. November twenty seventh or whatever it is. All right, take a truck. It is. Come on.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was gonna say Craig Smith, but I already touched on Craig Smith. You, you got me going on him already for you. So I'm gonna go pause. I mean, it can't go negative. I'm looking forward to going negative one of these weeks. Uh, I'm going Jeremy Swayman. I'm going Jeremy Swayman. I think it's a little underrated how hard he's had to work to keep his game with Linus Allmark doing what he's doing. I think his ability to step in here the next month, month and a half, this is the dog days of the NHL. For his game to be where it is, for everyone to have confidence in his game after maybe struggling early in the season, having the injury, I'm impressed with it, the young guy's ability to stay with it and positivity and, and going through this. And I think he's going to be a port in the next two months to, to spell Linus Allmark. So Jeremy Swayman gets the, the positive tickle trunk. Hopefully they lose a couple games so I can go negative at some point, but that might not happen all year.
2: Well, you know what? We might have to trash the All-Star game then at some point to be able to give you some uh, negative things. that's
1: easy. (laughs) That's
2: easy. (laughs) I knew you'd like that. Hey, Razor, thanks, buddy. We always appreciate the conversation. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks a bunch, friend.
1: You got it, guys. All right,
2: there goes uh, Razor. And you've been introduced to the tickle trunk. Apparently there are uh, certain dictionaries. On the internet who have different uh, descriptions for it. And definitions, really. Yeah, Yeah. just just be careful of what you're Googling on, maybe like a work computer or something like that. We
0: get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Watch us, love us. Just follow WEEI on Twitch. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI.
2: Where's McLovin? Brad Stevens is in a uh, cop car in the parking lot over at uh, TD Garden doing donuts right now. Listening to this. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I I'll, now I know like what gets him going. Like, no, it's a good, good tune. Before right, we right we when this one hit, bam! Oh yeah, let's go! It's a good tune. This is your intro song. Well, this would again, be your walk-up song, right here. The, oh no! I, I, I. If I were in WWE, I know what that would be. But no, this the Youngs got all introduced to this song because of uh, Superbad a bunch of years ago. Really, that's what it took. Well, it, McLovin, the the old yeah. old school movie about no the two question. high school kids trying to yep. score some beer. Yep. Yep. The uh, the modern age uh, John Hughes movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say really what it is. who wrote it. Oh yeah, same issues back in nineteen ninety nine as it was in nineteen eighty. But they, uh, yeah, once they went there, absolutely. And you can't tell me that Brad Stevens at seventeen didn't look like the dude who played McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, I give it's him a that perfect fit. Yeah, in fact, I just, I just th- got, I guess, got, got totally freaking. Oh, what? You went... Uh, I did. Uh, shiny red ball. I did. I did. You I did? did? Charles White has passed away. Oh, yes. I didn't see that. I just saw yeah. it. I he, played... Uh, his uh, nephew played with me in high school. Oh, really? Was like His name was Russell White. Uh, Charles White obviously played at USC, played in the league, won a Heisman Trophy. I knew his uncle, Slappy White. Was it really Slappy White? <laughs> There's a real Slappy White? No, there is not a yes, Slappy White. Yes, there was. White. Yep. Like a real person or a nickname? No, it was Slappy White. I think yeah. it was Slappy White. It's Soupy Sales back in the day. Ah, since we're going back to the time machine, okay? Yeah, there was that. Was, that was a true squirrel I moment. I think there. Slappy White was a comedian that was referenced in Seinfeld numerous times. I thought it was Soupy Sales. No, there was two different people. Really? Yeah. Soupy Sales was a legendary radio guy as well as ah. a, I think like a little bit of game show host. and They threw him on TV as they did with everybody in the seventies. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. There it is. Right. That's my moment of... Uh, well, Charles White. I just saw it. I, I used to see him all the time, and he used to. he's notorious for a lot of things, drugs being one of them. Uh, and then also, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he was uh, addicted to drugs for a long period of time. And then uh, stick em. Got it. Stick him. That's yep. another thing. He got caught multiple times, and they kept saying, oh, you can't use stick em, and he just kept doing it anyways. Well, when you make it look like you might have, you know fondled a large animal or something like that, if you yeah, know what I mean. Like all that stuff slathered all over you. It's yeah. like, okay. It's all shiny. Uh, it's like obvious. All the grass is sticking to your hands. I mean, seriously. It's like, can you not hide it? It's like the dude in the movie The Replacements where he couldn't get the ball off the glove <laughs> yeah. and it was like, somebody pull this off. <laughs> oh, that was Little Giants. Uh, well, it was both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great movie. What, Little Giants. Giants. Well, Little Giants or The Replacements. The Replacements. Yeah, The Replacements. That's a great Wait, it was sneaky underrated. Yeah, Keanu Keanu Reeves? Reeves, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah, my uh, my best friend Nelson, and hopefully his wife is doing great. She's in a big battle with cancer once again. But I was number 68 in college, and when they had that gigantic uh, uh, sumo wrestler, oh, I never heard the end of it. Never heard the Wait, end of the it. Wait, the sumo wrestler that was in the movie the or sumo the sumo wrestler that tried to play no, football? The sumo wrestler that was in the movie that was number 68 in the replacements, the guy who ate all the eggs and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my man Nelson was like, yeah, that's you. And I'm like, shut up. Do, we, do you remember um, the sumo wrestler that tried football? There was, like, this international, you know, sumo wrestler. You're who not was, talking about Aki Bono, was are you? Is that who it was? I don't think so, but no, I know. No, not was. the not the main guy. Like, that guy was ginormous, but there was a sumo wrestler. He was, like, the sumo wrestlers now, like, they're not as, like, there's just, like, the big fat and that's it. They can barely move. Like and then shy. there's, like, the medium version, the guy that's, like, a they got some strength and they can move. And this guy trained to be I can't find his name but he trained to be a football player. He was legitimately trying to, you know, go from like, you know, rugby to football, like Steve, Steve Neal went, went from wrestling to yes, and it was amazing. Yeah. I remember like doing drills with this guy in like Phoenix, Arizona, and I am going, "This guy doesn't have a chance." Or Brock Lesnar—that's the other guy that I always that everybody remembers. Well, do you know trying only, to go? You know, like to, I think the only guy that beat Brock Lesnar in college or one of the two was yes, Steve Neal. Yes, and they. And by the way, Brock Lesnar, no training, no nothing, still almost made the Minnesota Vikings because he's such a freak athlete. I know. The one guy, if you're gonna ask me out of like people always talk about who the toughest guy you is like who would you uh, who would you not want to fight like in, a, in like you know in a street fight or who would you want by your side if you're backed into a corner it's not willie McGinnis. Because he gets a lot of credit for being like a you know big tough guy. Well wow. you know? and he knocked okay. out Fair Collins one day yes. and waiting for a P test. There was yes. that. I don't think you were yes. there then. No, no, I wasn't. I heard but about it But you heard though. the story though. But the Me really too. the sneaky one, the sneaky, dangerous one is Steve Neal all day long. Oh yeah, because wrestlers can stretch your ass. Well, oh but, but, my god. You know, like when you're in the locker rooms and like, you know, everybody's like lifting weights and there's everybody's talking crap and they're all like big time in one another, and I can do this, and a lot of slap finding, you know, everybody's squaring up with each other. Mm-hmm. Nobody (laughs) ever, ever really kind of tested Steve to see if he was – because he was – it was like a a ball seeing red. As soon as you, like, gave him that sign, like, he went into, like, wrestling mode. And he was a heavyweight kicking everybody's ass. So he was not afraid of anything whatsoever. He was not afraid of confrontation. He was not afraid of, like, the moment. I would never mess with that guy. And he was as goofy as the day is long. Goofy, silly, Completely out of touch with a like a bunch of like normal stuff. What a nice guy! So nice. That's the thing. So is that- un, like almost unrealistically nice. Right. You would not think that this this something. This guy's dirty. No, he was not. But if somebody tried to hijack his car on the parking lot, you better have a weapon oh, because man. if not, you're getting not stuffed in chance. the trunk. <laughs> he would put you, tie you into a pretzel so fast. He would before you even. I don't care how much you squatted, how much you benched. Nobody was messing with Steel. I mean, uh, nobody that, was messing with him. Have you, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh the heavy the NCAA wrestling match between Steve Neal and Brock. No, Lesnar. I have not. Oh yeah. And this was before Brock like really got on the gas before for WWE. He got, before he got the like the and knife, the sword, the sword on his. Yeah. Well now, you know, Lesnar shows up and wrestles he does like twenty appearances for WWE, makes about seven million dollars. Not a bad not a bad job. Not a bad job. But again, that's another guy where you know, like Steve Neal, you wouldn't look at him and say, oh, I shouldn't F with that guy. Whereas with Brock Lesnar, you look at him and you're like, scary. there's a chance he could kill me. That's why but the guys both like of those Steve guys Neal are pretty much the same. But oh, that's yeah. why Steve Neal is scarier than most, because yep. you would sit there and you would go, oh, I can take this guy. No, nope. big fat guy. Next thing you know, it's like three moves and like your head is up your butt. Yeah, seriously. How did it get there? How'd my big toe end <laughs> up in my ear? like it's because he'd stuck you there. I oh, don't anything to do with him. I love it. Zero. That's, that's good stuff. And and by the way, that is not an easy transition because Neil never played football at a, at a high level. It was just a pure transition and the guy was athletic enough. But in all seriousness, what it also does go to show is – really, that is the – like, you can talk about how strong a guy is. You can talk about how big a guy is on the offensive line. If you line Trent Brown up with Steve Neal, you'd be like, oh, the big guy would be the better O-lineman. It's all about leverage, leverage hand leverage, placement, leverage. and feet. And wrestlers have leverage, yeah. hand placement, and yeah. feet down to and, a science. And great balance, too. I would yeah, add balance. that. Hey, yep, yep. Because my brother was a state champion heavyweight in California when we were in high school. And, and I was his like uh, practice dummy. Oh, so like, you, legit got, practice so you dummy. got beat on. It was not, I never got out of any hole he ever put me in. Ever. Ever. And it was so mean. Be so mean to me. Well, you know what's really funny <laughs> is in the old days of pro wrestling, and we're getting to the phones here. Yeah, but in the old we'll days of pro you. wrestling, when like in the like when Hulk Hogan first wanted to break into the business, they would always do these like kind of underground training deals yeah. where literally they'd bring you in, say get in the ring, they wouldn't tell you anything, and they'd try to stretch you and beat you up to get you to go away because they didn't want people in the business. Hogan went in, and there was a a, a guy from Japan, very famous, Hiro Matsuda. Who broke Hogan's leg, and when Hogan's leg healed, he came back, and that's when they let him in and trained him. So, like, they would take, so there'd be like, you know, a guy in the crowd who'd be like, "I can do this." They'd be like, "Fine, come on down on a Saturday morning and see what happens." And they put him in with all these old timey wrestlers who knew how to like thumb your eye and hook you and dirty stuff. They were shooters in a lot of ways, and they just beat the hell out of these guys and send them away. Well, they broke Hogan's leg and 6'8", 310 pounds comes walking back through the door and they're like, all right, we got to let him in. Oh, yeah, a lot of those old timers, oh, my God, horror stories (laughs) of like beating people up in empty arenas before shows and ambulances and all that stuff. Well, that's glorious. Guys coming back with guns, being like, "I know what you did to me." Catching them in the parking lot and being like, "What are you going to do now, tough guy?" I'm just going to hop in my car and run away. Yeah, is where I'm going. Those those old timey guys, firearm. bro. They 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 do not mess around. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Paul and Quincy talking Patriots, Mac Jones and Belichick. Hello, Paul.
1: Yeah, hi. first of all, Mac Jones. Um, we saw what the kid could do last year when he had a real offense around him. Now we tailed off at the end of the year. Part of it was him. Part of it was the competition. People wouldn't
2: be on Mac Jones if he didn't get hurt. And Bailey Zappi didn't come out and win a couple of games with a dumbed-down offense.
0: As for Bill Belichick, you know, when these people say replace Bill Belichick, really put him to task. With who? <laughs> Sean Payton's not coming here, and he won because of Drew Brees anyways. Who are you going to replace the guy with? You know, it just it makes no sense when they come up and say replace Bill Belichick with anybody. It's like the old Red Sox fans used to say, oh, trade the guy for a bucket of balls. It's
1: stupid.
2: Well, you know why yeah. it's stupid because they just—they're fed up, they're tired, they're—they're—they—they're they're, they're, they're just not engaged like they used to, so Anybody's they feel like better. I want it new. Yeah, yeah, anything is better than what we right. have, right? right? It's so terrible. It actually, and and I guarantee you, it would be worse without them. Oh, hundred yes. percent would be worse yep. without them, based on just everything. Yep. It would be worse. Um, the coaches, like uh, like you mentioned, Sean Payton you know we mentioned Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, those guys are staying in their jobs for a long period of time because they 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 just know what they're doing. And even when things are tough and challenging and they don't have a superstar quarterback or if they're transitioning from, you know, one group of veterans and trying to, you know, m- to, you know, develop new ones to kind of carry the torch, those guys know what they're doing. And the ownership knows it. It's it's the it's the flighty owner that ends up, you know, Delaying your success. I don't know, no bad decision. Well, they make one bad decision and they go, oh crap, might as well get rid of him now. Then they make another bad decision. Oh, it, that wasn't good either. Let's do. They keep doing it and doing it and doing it because they just they just they don't have the you know they don't have the intelligence to make the right choice. Well, and imagine if Bill left. We're gonna Matt Patricia. We're gonna Joe Judge running things, folks. For those who are like, oh, uh, let uh, let Bill go. Okay, fine. I'll put somebody on staff in there. What do you want? You put Mayo in there, and then he's going to tell all those guys what to do when they were former head coaches. To your point, it would fall apart. But with that being said, I'm going to contradict myself. Okay, I'm going to contradict myself. But there, if last week uh, on Friday on Are You Done, I mentioned all the first year head coaches, not not coaches coaches who were just hired in this last cycle, who were hired in 2022, that cycle. I asked you to list all the first-time head coaches for their new teams hired in that 2022 cycle that had made the playoffs. There was five of them. There was five of them that made the playoffs their first year. Uh, there was a Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, Brian Dable in, uh, with the Giants, Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell. Staley with the Chargers. Staley with the, well, no, he wasn't, wasn't a first-year head coach. Ray wasn't he first made it to the playoffs, time. but there's two other ones. I can't remember who they are. Um, Mike uh, McDaniel. Mike McDaniel in Miami. Um, oh, and uh, Todd Bowles in Tampa, which is kind of like a trick question, but again. But Todd was... Bowles and uh, Doug Peterson, also significant NFL experience. I know, but still, hey, I take, I'm take i taking over this dumpster fire of a team. I'm Brian Dable. I'm taking over Joe Judge's mess. Mm-hmm. This team's a playoff team. Hey, I'm taking over, um, you know, uh, for Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville. What a disaster. We won a playing game against the Tennessee Titans. Are you kidding me? So, to me... Hell, I feel like maybe there is this, you know, hey, you know, new experience waiting to happen. I don't think it's yet because uh, it's just he's a legend. There is, but there needs to be more infrastructure put in place because none of those people that you mentioned are also running the complete football True. operation. And yep. that's the other part of when you think, when you get frustrated with Bill, the coach, realize everyone there minus Robert and Jonathan Kraft. Answer in some way to Bill Belichick. If yeah. you are in the football operation, if you are a PR guy, whatever it is, up and down. When it comes to who's running the organization, you got Robert, you got Jonathan, Bill, and Bill has kind of filled in on the whole, minus salespeople and things like that. Although Murray Cole will never get fired out of uh, everything else, Bill Belichick has had a hand in that. Yeah, and you know most coaches who get that. I think once they get it, they realize they can't handle it. Josh McDaniels in Denver. Yeah, well, Josh McDaniel's in Denver, Mike Holmgren in Seattle, Pete Carroll to a certain degree in Seattle. Um Bill Parcell's, I guess you could say. Well, Sean Parcells Payton, was pretty good. At Sean, it no, yeah, true, true. Sean Payton didn't have it. And Holmgren in Seattle did go to a Super Bowl. But they took his they took but, his power away from him. He was yes. he was doing everything they said this ain't working. And they said, "Now let's do. Let's add somebody." They said, "You let Fourier go. You're an idiot." And then he went out and won a Super Bowl without you. That's right. Two of them. Two of them. So suck, suck on, on that. that one time. There you go. Brock in <laughs> Middleborough on the Celtics with Gresh and Fourier. Hello, Brock.
1: How's it going, uh, Christian? I don't think you're an idiot. Uh, I agree with you. What you said earlier, Brogdon being the sixth man. I think if the Celtics continue to do what they do and potentially ring a uh, win a ring, he's a shoe in for the sixth man. But also. We're going to probably see a new formula because Brogdon's the type of player where he could easily start on at least half the teams in the NBA, but he's filling a role where it's almost like a hockey line change where it's like I need someone to come in, command my second line so I don't have to worry about it, and things continue to keep moving as they should. And I think if the Celtics do win a championship, we're going to see more veteran players try and fill that role where, yeah, I could be a starter at a lot of places, but I could be the best sixth man at these three places and potentially win a ring.
2: That's an interesting statement, Brock, because what you kind of described, quite honestly, was the veteran NFL player. Like, for example, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins yesterday. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins is in the spot where he's 30 years old. Uh, if a team acquires him, you're basically on the hook for about two years and $30 million right around there. But if he wants to win, does he kind of play ball a little bit? And with Malcolm Brogdon, it's not about the money playing ball for him. It is the ego. And in the NBA, arguably, egos – are more of an issue than what guys get paid. So, yeah, he's an $18 million player. He's a starting caliber guy, but he's subjugated his ego to the point to where he's like, I have a mission here, and that is to help them win a championship. But I don't know if that's going to happen for guys that are the caliber of a Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's got his money. He's seen the other side of things. I don't know if it starts to create a pattern like we saw for a period of time in the NFL, but there's no doubt about it. That getting a guy like Brogdon is a coup for Brad Stevens, Absolutely. and if they win it all, everybody's going to point to that trade and say, listen, there was an existing core here, but that guy put him over the top. Because they they solved one of the biggest issues uh, that they dealt with in the finals, or less, uh, yeah, at least against the the Warriors, was that depth, that off the bench. Uh, who is it? Uh, so the Warriors had, I forgot who it was. Uh, well Jordan Poole
0: was Jordan off Poole. The bench for Jordan them. Yeah. Poole.
2: And then with minutes with Milwaukee, it was Porter. And you know, and some of those things Grant Williams played great. Um uh who else played great? Um Can't remember the other guy's name, but they had they were like sharing the duties that one guy would play great off the bench, and the other guy would play D. White. Derek White was the other guy. And then, uh, they, both of them disappeared in the finals. Both of them did. Neither one of them did what they did in earlier series. As, and they just disappeared against the Warriors It's also great injury protection If Marcus Smart goes yeah. down For a long period of time You know, now it would it would chew at your depth a little bit But if Smart goes down And you put Brogdon in there I mean, this is, this is still Very much a scary team We hit a parlay yesterday We made you a little bit of money With the lunchtime parlay So we're going to get back up on that bike And give you another one next
0: WEEI, WEEI, New England Sports Original. You're listening to Gresh and Poirier on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. go.
2: The Home of Winners! Winners, baby! Winners! W-I-N-N-A-H with exclamation points is here on the lunchtime parlay with Gresham Foyer. We will get to some thoughts about the Pro Bowl because Foye's got some thoughts on it. I do. Hey, how about just even mentioning to Razor about the uh, about the All Star game? And he's like, "Oh, I'm ready to sink my teeth into that." <laughs> so clearly, these All Star games, minus the NBA All Star game, it feels like, which is one that uh, at least some people like. But anyway, is baby. We gave you three of them yesterday. UCF covered against Memphis. Jalen Brown blew doors on the over last night. He had 41. Over was set at 27 and a half. And the Bucks eked out a win against the Hawks, even though the Hawks made it interesting. So for your $10 yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, we made you a cool $53.92. So we're running slim. On our negative return, but all we got to do is hit today and we go from the red to the black ink. So here we go. And by the way, Fourier doesn't know this. I'm about to tell him right now. Okay. Tomorrow, we're all going to do our big... Playoff picks, nice. Well, then I'm down. I'm down. That you can handle. Okay. Okay. Good. Is there gonna be yeah. any? Are we have. It's like an internal competition here. I mean, is that what we're doing? Because I feel like yet to be decided amongst okay. the four of us. Okay. I'm not, I'm not right. sure just yet. Okay. Because I'm, I'm all. I'm all for the competition part. I just. I'm also uh, all for the punishment if you well, lose. Well, I also think people. Uh, I don't know if we can make a lunch bet because everybody on the show thinks that they got to bring in fish or whatever for you <laughs> so that you can stink out the whole place. Uh, huh. But be that as it's it colorful. may. All right, let's get to the lunchtime parlay. Here we go. Billy, why don't you lead it off, man, instead of I'll go last today. All right, no problem. So I got the late game in the NBA. The Mavericks are in Los Angeles to play the Lakers. Give me the Mavericks to cover the minus three. I'm with you on that. I like that. Lakers are so up and down, and the Mavs are not great, but this – got to be a game they should be able to win. Yeah, give me yeah, give me uh, Mavericks minus three. All right, Terp, what do you got, Ben? I'm going to take the Celtics minus three in Brooklyn. The Celtics are 6-0 and in the second night of back-to-backs this season, and they've won their last eight straight games against the Nets. They've just dominated them, and I don't see a change in <laughs> tonight. And you know what? And the Nets are playing better, but KD is hurt. But KD's you, out. But you nailed it, and I'm a big believer of this in the NBA. If you're going to win on the back end of back-to-backs, that's a mindset. That's also, to me, a championship trait as well. I think you can go back over the course of history and look over some of the teams that have won titles and how they played on the back end of back-to-back. So I'm feeling you there. And you know what? I Only because Seattle is scoring goals. Now, heading into, I think, their game, that they the, the last game they played, I think Seattle cracking route scoring people like 28-6 to or something like that during their five-game win streak. They had that win in Buffalo. I think it was 4-3. to They've been scoring. We know the Bruins could score. There is the whole coming off the long road trip, first home game, maybe you get-down early. That's what I'm banking on. Give me Bruins cracking over six goals tonight over at the Garden. So Mavs minus three, Celts minus three, Bruins cracking over six. $10 wins you, $59.58. And feel free to do what our guy Bears does, who listens on the Odyssey app. He threw in an extra little pick as well to give him some more juice. Hit a parlay go. last night. Good for you. So take our three. Want to slide a fourth one in there? Go right ahead. You can jack up those odds, and we'll make sure to get those picks out on the uh, social media channels on Twitter. It is Gresh Fourier W E I, and on Instagram, Gresh and Fourier six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Fourier, you mentioned Charles White. Yeah. And uh, Jack in Maine wants to uh, follow that up as well. Go ahead, Jack. Uh, good
1: morning, guys. What's um,
2: up? Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Southern California, like Christian, and back um, except Anthony Davis and Charles White. Mm. AD is the one that had the Rolls
1: Royce driving around town. Sorry, guys. The USC players all had the best cars. Let's just summarize it like that. AD had a, a Rolls Royce. I forgot where Charles White had. Sorry about that. Mix up. All right, that's that that's it? all.
2: I I got lost along the way. I mean, that was well. it. I got I got lost along the way. So you're telling me, hold on, I, I didn't know this even happened. So college football players, really good ones at big universities with a lot of money, with lots of boosters, would secretly give money to players. Did this really happen? Didn't you see the movie The Program? I don't believe it. I thought it was all on the up and up, and they would they all did it fair and square. They all followed the rules. Can't believe it. My whole life has been a lie. Where was all my money? I didn't get a dime. I was just about to ask you, who offered you the most? <laughs> offered? Are you kidding me? Nobody offered me a thing. I was lucky I got a scholarship as it was. I had, I was recruited by three schools, Oregon State, who hadn't won a game in like 10 years, Northern Arizona University, which back in the day was like a Division II school. That's what they called it. it wasn't they weren't FCS. even FCS yet? Yeah. yeah, well, they didn't change anything over it. You, were, It was a D1 and D2. They were just Division. Oh, one double A. Division yeah, no, one double that's, A. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, that's one FCS. A. That's, but But they They were didn't a par- call it that then. They were a powerhouse for a while. Yes, back then it was one double A. So, uh, but listen, it was like some small school in Northern Arizona, okay? And then Colorado. That's it. Who who was like playing for a national championship against Notre Dame? I was like, what? some one of these things doesn't go together. And they ran the option. I was 185 pounds. Now this makes sense. So uh, I can't believe all these players got things, and I didn't get anything. Not one thing. Free education, though. I love that Free movie. Education. I love the I love in the program when they're about to give uh, or when when Darnell Jefferson. Ends up, like, the guy comes over and hands him a thing of money, and Darnell Jefferson is like, man, I don't know if I should take this. And he's talking to the linebacker, and he was like, this is what you get, you start playing better. In fact, let me take that from you and pick that money right out of his pocket and put it in his. Are we talking about Latimer? No, no, it wasn't Latimer. It was was Alvin Mack who came over and said to Darnell Jefferson the whole, hey, I'll take that. When they give you the money, you take it. When, like exact, and he pulled the envelope right out of his when hand. When it comes to pro sports movies, when it comes to like character name recognition. Yep. I say Latimer, and I think most if if you're in the gym, if you're being a hardo, you got your your tank, your skinny tank top on, and you're lifting and you're freaking out, you're I think most people would recognize the name Latimer, right? I would think so. For because, the most part, well, I can't think of a you know he stood out in that movie even amongst guys that stood out because it's still relevant today based on just, you know, the fact that it's you know, it's just still relevant. That movie's wow. still relevant. the program. People still people still watch it. It's still aired all the time. And look I mean, at how many idiots in college put the full yes, like they, black they do on the Lattimore face. thing. It's like come and on. And they call man. it the Lattimore. Yes, I'm like, what are you going are you going full Lattimore with this? Yeah. You going to have a Roy way rage if you don't get the tackle? Hey Latimer, that whole thing. Oh yeah. Well I loved Alvin Mack because he was really Ray Lewis. I mean, it's really when you think Oh, uh, with the doorknob. I, I got you a present, mama. Yeah. It's and the a doorknob. Whole, well, and the whole, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that he was a killer middle linebacker and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, my, what would have been my last year at Rhode Island, 96, they got the call in the offseason from the University of Miami. They needed a game. And they offered URI a half million dollars for the 96 season to go down there and basically get killed get by. Killed. Right. Beat up. Our coaches were like, Listen, we'll never survive if we go down there and play. We know we're outmatched. Like it's a nice check, like that's a good payday. Oh, it's your whole. It's your, whole, that's in, your oh, It's, it's your a whole, lot of your, your money for the yeah, it's Your budget, right? right? But do you do remember the scene from the program. Where like Mac, he gives his mama. She's sitting in the wheelchair. Oh yeah, it's like a doorknob. A doorknob to the like, house. What's this? He's like, Well, I'm gonna put that on the house. I'm gonna build you. And then he breaks, his, break, leg, breaks his leg. And he's crying in his beer because he never went to school. No, see never this, went to class. See this sneaker turp? says Adidas. <laughs> see, there's a lesson there. I saw that as a, as our whole team saw that movie in the '90s, whatever the hell it was. And one of the one of the guys just on my team just happened to be hooking up with my coach's daughter. The saying that was going oh, on in the that movie. With the backup quarterback yes, who is making the yes. sex with the coach's uh, daughter. As soon as that scene came up, we all yelled his name and it became so uncomfortable. We're like, I see you, Gresh. I see you. And like it was like, why is everybody yelling? Well, yeah, we see you. It's like life imitating art or the opposite, whatever that is. Art imitating life. Yeah, there it is. Man, oh, man. We we roll into the lunchtime hour of Gresham Fourier. Celtics with a big win. Jalen Brown went off. Caesar in Brooklyn tonight. What can we expect? Bruins are going to take on the Kraken. And according to Tommy Curran, changes are coming to New England. All that next.